All right. What the hell? What the hell do you too, Chad? <laughs> I think, yeah. What the hell, everybody? I look different. I shaved the beard. That's a temporary thing. And I'm not having seizures. I just happen to have a bad case of the hiccups. So Chad and I have decided we'll go ahead and do the episode and we'll see if that is it's arable. Okay. If uh, if we can get away with doing this, man, it's irritating <laughs> to be like fifty three years old and like having a kid disease. <laughs> that's because that's what it feels like. Yeah, I know. But it's I guess really old annoying. folks hick up too. Yeah, it is. Um, and I uh, <laughs> I woke up with them, so it was like, you know, you do that yawn stretch. It's like, ah, and I was like, fuck. <laughs> God. Anyway, that's uh, you have the Criterion Brazil behind, behind you, don't you? Yes, I thought you might recognize that. It's yeah. like dropping handkerchiefs. Oh, I, I'll just, oops, I didn't mean to yeah. put this here. <laughs> I love that. I cherish that. Yeah, I was thinking this, I did this get could the be... Blu-ray version as well. I did get that too. Yeah, I think I, God, I think I got this like 15 years ago, whenever it came out. 19, yeah, oh, and like oh, 20 well, years ago. Yeah, and pretty much like every Criterion, their stuff does, or or at least they purposely take things out of print for a while. So for a while, that was actually quite rare, and you, you could have sold it. Uh, oh, really? I have the Criterion Robocop, and that has been out of print for a long time. Oh. So for a while, I'd go on like eBay and see people selling it for $400, and I was, I still want to keep it. Thank you, no. Thank you, <laughs> no. God. Yeah, I thought at, at some point in the future, we should do a whole show about this movie and, and the... Uh, oh, my God. Watch out. The, the story. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I would um, love it. Brazil. But I need to rewatch is, it. Oh uh, yeah, That's, it's in my top, uh, um, probably top ten of all time. Uh, yeah, on Letterbox, can... have you ever been on that uh, app? Letterbox. No. What is that? Uh, it, it's sort of so, uh, sort of social, but I don't interact with people. All it is is a list of every movie ever, basically, and each one has a, a little page, and you can type like you can click. I've watched it. I liked it or I loved it. You can rate it. And if you feel so uh, inclined, you can actually write a review. I've never done that either because I'm like, I have too much else to do. And a lot of people are writing very good reviews and a lot of people are just being snarky. It's like, oh, that's cute. And it's just, it's addictive. If you're a collector type person, like with my graphic novels, there's an app that I have listed my entire inventory on the on that app and it's just for me to go look at all the stuff i have and with letterbox it's like look at all the stuff i've watched and it also does a thing like if i've rated i could choose to look at my own tops like oh i just want to see all the ones i gave five stars to and you're like oh yeah those are all my faves and and yeah brazil's brazil's way up there jesus christ with the hiccuping (laughs) (laughs) i got through a whole sentence man uh, but anyway, so it's it's a cool app, and you can also like let your friends know you're on it, so they can see which ones you liked or which ones you didn't like. And a lot of the ones I do for the podcast with John, they're like the one star, <laughs> half star. <laughs> <laughs> but that's my job. Uh, this week we're watching Dario Argento's Phantom of the Opera from ni- 1988. So I'm really looking forward to that. Oh, wow. or 89. I don't know. No, not 88. What am I talking? 98. We're in the 90s. Yeah, you're still in the 90s, yeah. Yeah, right. we're almost to the 2000s. I'm very excited. I bet. Um, 
Let's hope yeah, the hiccups are gone by Wednesday when I record that, because that doesn't even have the vi- visual. It'll just sound like I'm completely drunk off my ass. Mario <laughs> right. Argento, an Italian master of horror and eroticism, and he's a... <laughs> I just did a fake one, and it caused me to do a real one. I love that. Anyway. <laughs> so yeah, Your body's yes. like, get out of the way. Let me handle this. <laughs> Amateur. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, excellent taste on what you have there behind. Thank you. What, um, what do you want to Oh, you've got the trilogy back there t- too. What Star Wars trilogy? Oh yeah, I In just the took this out. Here. I I want to I want to get my uh, my VHS uh, working too. I haven't your played VCR tapes in ages. Yeah, v- yeah, v- VHS. I don't my, I don't my... have one anymore. So like when we we talked about before, like do you yeah, have yeah. any VHS left? I do. I have this little stack, and then I have no way of watching them. But I just hold on to them for various reasons. Yeah, um, as, and as I, I don't have. have a turntable. And I have no. I think I finally got rid of all of my LPs. No, I kept some comedy albums. I have like a you know, like a Jonathan Winters, a couple of Jonathan Winters, and a Bob okay, cool. and stuff like that. Yeah, I have my uh, Robin Williams' his first solo. Uh, so first solo right his first comedy yeah. record he when he broke out. up from mindy up. <laughs> <laughs> this was a i can't believe concept. he left mark and mindy <laughs> i know <laughs> uh reality what a concept which was the first uh, yes. comedy record he put out i have it I, after he died i put it on my wall just oh nice i need i wanted to see his face but i yeah i don't have <laughs> i haven't listened to two records in a long time but i'm Working on fixing that. So I've got. Those are those are popping. those the vinyl Sergeant Peppers and uh, White Album and all that, or are those books? These are the actual CD box sets of the re-release uh, oh. special editions that no, Jaws Martin. I don't Martin, have those. The remixes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're great. Uh, I've heard probably... them, but I don't physically own them. Yeah. I'm in that digital age. Oh, this, the Abbey Road God, one is probably nice the nicest. This, yeah, Jesus. it's really nice. The, the re- I don't have the revolver yet. That's the one I haven't forgot yet. Um, those have to cost a pretty penny i'm willing to bet yeah this book by the way is on its way to you i guess oh. you, have you can't see it uh no but you already showed it to me. i can't wait yeah. man that's awesome yeah. i didn't even um, know they had done a book off of that uh document i know yeah and it's essentially in case anybody's not familiar with it it's really it's, it's actually it's fumetti they just do like stills and they put their like dialogue underneath them oh how you doing i'm doing all right how are you <laughs> I wish they did do that. It does have, it is actually a transcription of oh, the nice. conversation well, I mean, in the film. Oh, yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. So I haven't actually gone through and read it, but I, I'm Much less that, read it in their accents. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's great. You put on a little show where you're just doing the Beatles. But I don't know if it's like the whole series or, or not, but it's Oh, just, it couldn't be. It's, it's a very nice book either way. So. That looks gorgeous. I can't wait. Yeah. Oh, and this was, I was so, this is basically going to be a show and tell episode. <laughs> I think it's know. turned into a show and tell episode. Yeah. This, this, I, I thought, I wonder if I still have Yeah, this. you mentioned it. And I do, but it's, it is a, it's still, it's fine in condition, but I was just disappointed because I opened it up. Is it the original like, pressing? What, why is it blank? And I realized there's staples here. There used to be a booklet, I think. Yeah. And I must have messed it up. Chad, it, I sorry, had the same thing. It had a, it had a booklet. Is that, <laughs> is that the original pressing? Yeah. The 1977. Which, so you know one of the it's, things, because we had talked know, about, sorry, okay, I noticed the sticker. Here. Yeah, that's I what I was it. thinking about because yeah. that didn't look like mine. What does that say? It says warning: this item registered and traceable. 
<laughs> I like from, that's from how they like get GPS you, or something. That's, like what? that's how they get you. <laughs> They've been tracking everyone who's ever bought Story of Star Wars. Um, I had that same one, and uh, I was talking uh, to John, who has another podcast, which I think you would really enjoy. He and his friend Mike are doing one. They wanted to do a Star Wars podcast, and they're like, "There's so many," and then they realized, "No, <clears throat> no one's doing a podcast on the Star Wars comics." Oh, so it combines two of their loves, and so they are basically every episode is them going through from the beginning, so the early Marvel ones, which are um, not great, like literally from '77. They're just going to go through all the Marvel. Uh, I mean, all the Star-, Star Wars comics, like when it jumps over to Dark Horse. We're going to keep going. So cool. it's it's highly nerdy, but we were talking about it because uh, if you remember the Marvel Comics adaptation of the first one, Star Wars, uh, like they included stuff that got cut from the movie because yeah. they had early versions of the script to right. adapt. So it has like the scene with Biggs, like the scene at, at um, uh, what's it, Station? Tachi? Tachi Station. Tachi Station, where he goes to yeah. get his, his converters, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> yes. I would have loved it if uh, if you had Uncle Owen go, you mean whores, don't you, Luke? It's the <laughs> whorehouse. Get your power converters. You're going to see those loose women. But anyway, um, so that's in the comic. So that led to me talking about the story of Star Wars LP, because mm-hmm. in the that booklet that you're missing, they have photos from that scene. I remember as a kid. Yeah. Of course, knowing the movie backwards and forwards, going, oh, that's him with Biggs, but they're on Tatooine. That's not in the movie. Yeah. I was still young enough. I didn't realize that things that get shot sometimes don't end up in a final cut. So I was just like going, mm-hmm. why can't I see that? Uh, but I had that. That album, you were like, oh, I can't wait to listen to this. I'm like going, just watch the movie because that's all <laughs> it is. It's an, oh, it's an edited down literal soundtrack of the entire movie with dialogue well, the whole with narration thing. though it's got narration in it as well oh does it uh it's roscoe it's got, I, I was looking up the guy's roscoe name B. coltrane from uh from the dukes of hazard <laughs> no no he was actually the guy was a, a sought after a uh, voiceover artist at the time i forgot i forget his full name Hey, Chad here. I just had to add, the guy's name is Roscoe Lee Brown. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, a great adventure took place. He was actually a very well-known actor and director, and I knew him as a kid from the sitcom Soap, where he played a character named Saunders, a, a butler who replaced Benson after Robert Guillaume left to do his own series. And Roscoe was born in Woodbury, New Jersey, which is where I was born. Crazy. But he, uh, he did the first one, and then the... I also have this one, the Empire Strikes Back one. I only uh, had the first. I only had story of Star Wars. This one is narrated by Malachi Throne. Regaining consciousness, Luke realizes that his lightsaber lies just beyond his reach. Wow, who was what's a great name, but yeah. he was a he was actually a pretty busy character actor. Did did Star Trek stuff and a lot of TV oh, things. So you would yeah. recognize his face. I never I never noticed that name. I was it Malachi Throne? <laughs> One of the weird things for me as a Star Wars fan, uh, a kid, well, it was also, I, you know, Empire wasn't immediate. It it was a couple years later. Things in the family and money situation. My collecting of Star Wars stuff 
is so first movie centric. Literally, I had pretty much everything, including the the comforter and sheets, uh, the curtain set. Uh, I had uh, Chewbacca socks. I mean, I had a kick-ass. Yeah, I did. I had a kick-ass Darth Vader belt buckle. I love this stuff. And I had pretty much all the figures and vehicles from the first movie. My parents did do us right because I think it was a combo for me and Robin that 78 Christmas we had the Death Star, uh, X-Wing, TIE Fighter, Land Speeder. Uh, I did have to buy the Millennium Falcon myself. That was the first thing I ever purchased with my own money. Wow. Uh, because I mowed lawns and did basic stuff and saved up $25. I remember that's how much it was to get the, uh, yeah, back then, too. It was cheap. So, but once I Jeez. had the Millennium Falcon, I was just like, oh, my God, this is the best thing ever. Because it was huge, too, because it would fit the actual figures in it. Yeah. Anyway, so pretty much the entire first movie, I had everybody, I had Walrus Man, and I was set, hammerhead. And then by the second movie, I, of course, I loved Empire, but I never had a single uh, Snowtrooper. I never had an AT-AT. I really kind of wanted an AT-AT. Yeah, neither, neither did Snow I. Speeder. Yeah. No, I, I didn't have any of that. I didn't even have a fucking Tauntaun. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think by that point I had started to lose interest in, in those types of toys. Um, I, I never lost interest in toys, but I think I'd already ad advanced to the next thing. So I was like going, uh, instead of more Star Wars stuff, now I'm on to this thing. Right. But I sure loved the movie. You know, that was. The, the cool thing about that story of Star Wars record was at the time, you know, we didn't have any way to watch that on home video for the first. I mean, it didn't even come out on TV for many years. You know, you, oh, you, you did would, it? It did eventually. But like for the first, like from 77 through 80, 81 or whatever, they may have been, maybe it was on broadcast TV at some point, but there was no way for me to tape it even, even if it did yeah, come on. Yeah. So, but they, they would keep re-releasing the movie in the theaters every summer. Uh, yeah. Star Wars would come out. My dad and I would go see it every time they would put it back out. So, but really, my the only way that I memorized the dialogue was from that record. Yeah, and I, I'm remembering now that because they would start, they started even back then. Lucas was making little tweaks to the release to the released versions. Like there would be little things to be different, <laughs> like uh, like the closed. But they say, oh, what is that line? You know, close the blast doors, and then the open the blast doors, open the blast doors. I, that's why one of the reasons I'm curious to listen to this again because the that line close the blast doors before. Han and Chewie jump through the, the those blast doors as they're closing, yeah. and then the, yeah. you do hear them say, "Open the blast doors! Open the blast doors!" The joke is like they just told him to close it, yes, yeah, and then they can't get through it. I think on the record you hear the close the blast doors. I could be wrong, but there huh. there there's almost certainly some things in that dialogue that 1977 version it. that are different from like the 1980 version or the 1981 version because they kept making changes to the audio. It's like when we were talking about the power records last week and yeah. and book and record sets. It's a thing where where the whole purpose i mean obviously when you're when you've got the comic in front of you and you're reading it then it is just like someone's acting it out while you're reading it but in the case of story of star wars i mean that was literally just you put it on the turntable and you closed your eyes and then you just saw the movie in your head again that was the whole thing and you're like oh great that's awesome or if, yeah. if you ended up with the action figures then you could literally act it out you know it's like there's my c3po talking to my r2d2 yeah I remember having uh, similar similar records for some of the Disney films too, like Lady and the Tramp, yeah, yeah. Um, and possibly uh, 
Aristocats, I think yeah, I Yeah, I think the Aristocats actually probably was, like, the full movie soundtrack. Yeah. Because it only had, like, no, that's not true. It had, like, four or five songs in it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so they would just make an entire album that was the story of. And, right. And you would hear the songs where they would drop, drop in the movie. And that was a way, like you said, pre-VHS days of, like, Hey, you want to experience the movie again? Here, here you go. And yeah. Disney did work out that because uh, Lucas was kind of following Disney's lead. A lot of studios, their big pictures, even if they were old, they would cycle them through and re-release them to theaters. And Disney did that like hardcore. Where like I remember my mom going, "We're gonna go see, you know, Sleeping Beauty." You know, like, oh, okay. So it was from her childhood. Hood, but she's so excited because it's come back to the movie theater and i've never seen it so let's mm-hmm. go and watch it um yeah i remember by the way um i don't think it was a re-release i think it was the the year it was released the disney animated robin hood remember that with the oh the yeah Fox, love robin hood yeah roger miller doing all the songs reminiscing this night and having such a good time Ooh-da-lolly, ooda-lolly, golly, what a day ooda-lolly, ooda-lolly, golly, what a day we went to the drive-in out in macomb mississippi to see it uh in our vw bus this is so 70s man my job is to tell it like it is we had made a jiffy pop and so we didn't have to pay <laughs> for uh you know concession stand popcorn and we get there it starts and then it burned through. These are the <laughs> things that, I mean, kids today just don't even know this experience yeah. uh, because all the projectors now are digital. But so it burned through, it started, and then it was like, and then like the voice over those boxes, the speaker boxes are like, uh, sorry, folks. Uh, it's like, <laughs> it's like uh, we'll give you a refund uh, on your way out. And I did not. Oh, and then I went into the hospital not long after that to get my tonsils out. Um, and, wow. uh, my mom brought me Disney's Robin Hood storybook and a coloring book. And I loved that, but I never actually saw that movie until I was 30 years old. <laughs> really? Wow. Wow. Well, I mean, just because uh, it took, uh, it didn't come back around, you know, the theaters. And then, uh, I don't know. I kind of saw every other Disney movie. Just it, I never got around to seeing it. Yeah, and then finally, I think someone had like a VHS or a DVD, and they're like, "Here, <laughs> I watched." I was like, "Oh, this is great." Yeah, that makes me want to. I, I knew the about songs. I yeah. knew the songs because you know Disney always releases like albums, the best of Disney or whatever. So I was always kind of fascinated that it essentially looked like Baloo was playing Little John. Yeah, it's the, a sim- it's, it's, it's the same. If not pair. just similar, it's pretty much the, the same exact actor? design. Is it the same actor though? No. Was it? It might have been. Uh, because who is that? That's uh Phil Harris, I is think it? was blue. He shot himself a mighty fine quail in one little measly hat. But on his way returning home, he met a great big grizzly bear. Very recognizable voice, and he may have actually been little John. Huh. Yeah. Um anyway, yeah, that could be. It they do look as blue is like, I'm getting work. Hey, Mowgli, I, I got a gig. I got to go over and, the, and play Little John. The animal characters, too. And uh, uh, I did watch uh, uh, Bedknobs and Broomsticks Bed recently. And Broomsticks, the, yeah. the animal characters on the island do resemble 
the, that that same era of Disney. It probably is the same era of Disney. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They had all the same animators. Maybe they're like going, you know, we could come up with new designs, but those are really good. Yeah. Just put a different, <laughs> you know, weird weird bunch of clothes on them or whatever. Uh, right. Or they're naked, naked <laughs> animals. Hey. Man, I watched that Jungle Book, and it's full of naked animals. <laughs> the only one wearing clothes is Mowgli. <laughs> and this is the episode that gets us canceled so speaking (laughs) of uh, show and tell i think you'll enjoy this you got something recently i had pre-ordered this back before i knew how tough it'd be to pay rent um because because i saw that yeah go ahead and laugh laugh i'm gonna edit i'm gonna edit all this out don't don't, don't worry about it oh i think you should do a super cut where (laughs) i just i just yeah i'll just copy and paste all the hiccups into another sequence (laughs) it'll come at the end of the show Uh, see you next week people you should set it to something like uh rocket by herbie hancock (laughs) (laughs) um anyway so this will take you back even though this is a modern uh update on it i don't know if you know this but migo the classic doll company of the 70s, which went out of business in the 80, 80s when all the action figures shrank, thanks to Star Wars and then G.I. Joe. Everyone got tiny. Um, but in our use of the 70s, Mego was the go-to. They had the license for DC and Marvel and other people. So you could have, like, there's Spider-Man hanging out with your Batman and they, like, are pals because Mego made them all... <gasps> One of the one of the ones that, of course, I cherished and loved was the Mego Superman, and, and he was their first figure. And I haven't had a Mego in a million years. Uh, those went out. Probably my mom donated those too. I'm sure at some point. But for the fiftieth anniversary, wow. Yeah, Look I mean, that. other than the silver badge and other than the updated DC logo. It's the same box, the too. Same. World's uh, world's greatest superheroes with the Mego label. I remember these sides where they would show other figures, like and over here. The one thing that's different that's a much more modern Green Arrow drawing, but that's the original. I remember that Aquaman and that uh, Captain Marvel, which the, they're just saying she's <laughs> the, po- the pose that Aquaman has is like he's he like he's he's marching to go shuts. <laughs> I'm going to go give <laughs> go give my neighbor a piece of my mind. <laughs> yeah. Actually, he's like going, ah, Neymar, you fucking bastard. <laughs> they still have a beef. But it's just so awesome because, and I, I've left them in the box. One thing I am a little sad about, I mean, that is what they looked like exactly. They had the cloth suits, but they always had a sticker emblem on their, their chest. So Superman's S is just a sticker. Oh, and so and one of the things I remember was when you were a kid, about two months into you owning it and him flying around, that sticker just started coming off. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe they would update it and have it sort of sewn on. Nope. No, they're saying they true to... to be true to the original, <laughs> so it's a sticker. I won't take them out of the box. I think it's just great because nothing has taken me back to the 1970s more than uh, my Mego Superman. And they've they've actually cool. expanded. I think Someone bought the copyright, the name, the logo, and restarted Mego. So they've done all the classics. They look just like they used to, but they've started expanding. They have like 
me go Ghostbusters. They have uh, they they have all kinds of stuff. Some of them real like they've got young Frankenstein Mego. You're like, oh great, here's a uh, Doctor Frankenstein, and here's the creature in his tuxedo, and you're like, this is weird. Young Frankenstein, like like uh, yeah, like like Mel, Mel Brooks. Brooks. Young, yeah, they made figures from that movie. That's so cool. Well, they also have some from Hammer movies, like specifically Christopher Lee's Dracula, not Bela Lugosi's Dracula. So they they've become as a lot of action figure companies are doing now, they've become very niche simply because it's a collector culture and it's all middle-aged middle-aged people are buying the toys, not for the kids. So it's like, Oh, I mean, I bet sometime they'll end up doing a Ralph Hingley, greatest American hero at some point. And if they do, I'll get that and I'll put them right (laughs) next. That seems uniquely suited for that too. Oh yes. Believe it or not. (laughs) <laughs> I cannot stand the hiccups, man. They're driving me nuts. Do you have a trick? Do you know? Do you know a, a hiccup trick? Well, I, I think I try. I remember doing this, trying to do this to you when you had hiccups back. Like, oh, it didn't didn't work. Was I that, just would try uh, to was scare that the you. That you. Oh, I think I'd that was go, the ah, night that you just kept punching me in the face. Right? <laughs> You're like going, trust me, this works. Yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. This, the thing I, I've tried, it, it, sometimes it works, sometimes it didn't, was holding my breath for as long as I could. I've, yeah, I've done, I mean, I, I have this happen enough that I've done the holding the breath. I've tried the spoonful of sugar, and I've tried, obviously, you just drink a lot of water, you drink anything bubbling, and that sort of thing. You force yourself to burp. There, I've tried it all, and basically, I think... The only thing that makes my hiccups go away and always has is at some point they stop and the the key is not noticing. Yeah. It's one of those things like if you start noticing it, then you force yourself basically into hiccuping again. Right. But if during this conversation it stops, I need to just keep going and pretend that I don't even notice. I do remember. Oh, they're gone. Damn it. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, oh, I think. No, I brought it back. Anyway. (laughs) Hey, listeners, you guys write right in with your hiccup uh, fixes. <laughs> and uh, hopefully by the time your comments show up, I won't have them anymore and I'll have forgotten all about it. Uh, spe- total, well, not total, total change of subject, but uh, slight derailing. Oh, Jesus. Not that, not that there's anything to derail this this week. <laughs> but uh, uh, my mom and I were just talking about uh, Young Frankenstein uh, for some, I can't remember how we got on to talking about it, but it, it uh, I think because it's one of the greatest comedy <laughs> f- films of all time. Oh, we were talking about c- celebrity sightings for some reason, huh. but, uh, Peter Boyle, I actually, uh, encountered him a couple of times when I was working at this bakery in New York. Uh, one of many celebrity sightings I had there, uh, they like great Peter Boyle, by the way, he's yeah. even taller in person than he appears in, in, uh, on the movies. He's absolutely towering where he was. But he came in one afternoon and to to ask for what a lot of people used to ask for back in those days was change for the parking meter. Oh, I thought you were going to say cocaine. Uh, keep no. going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he came in and we, he was so polite, but he was, he kind of, he felt weird about asking because like, you know, some, some businesses in New York will say, no, you have to buy something. You can't just get yeah, changed. It'd yeah. be weird. They'd be weird about it. It's strange to think about now because you don't even need change for a parking meter any, anymore. But um, he came in and he goes, I knew what he was going to ask because I could just see it in his face. He, and he kind of, kind of goes, "Hey, uh, give me, give me a chocolate chip muffin." He's looking, looking down. And I said, "All right." And so he, he bought the muffin. He's thank you, and he left. And then a, uh, a couple weeks or maybe a couple months later, uh, 
my, I was working behind the counter with my friend Sandra, and Sandra happened to be the one who helped him this time. And she didn't know who he was. Oh, and uh, bad Sandra. Sandra. <laughs> and Sandra was a uh, was a jokester. So he comes in, and it's the same thing. He he looks at her, and he's like. <sighs> This time he worked up the courage to actually ask for the change. That, can, I, can I just get change for the meter? And Sandra, being Sandra, <laughs> looks at him and goes, no. <laughs> and he goes, and he's, he's, at first he's like, oh, and he goes, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding here. I'm just messing with you. And gave him the change. He's like, oh, thank you. So thank you so much. And, I like I, and, I like those. Oh, no, I'm sorry. You're not done. Well, yeah. But the, I just said, she, of course, she didn't know who he was. I said, do you, you know who that was? Because I was at the other end of the uh the service area watching this happen and I was, <laughs> it was just hilarious how polite and just gracious he was uh you know and i i, I said do you know what that was like no i know this was before uh everybody loves raymond by the way yeah. so so which that's I when i got to too, see him. we all uh, everybody who worked in that bakery we went to go see uh we went all to a comedy club one night and ray romano was one of the guys oh that's great before he was uh, before uh, he hit uh, it big yeah uh, so it's a strange confluence of events but yeah uh, I like when it is a thing like that where it's truly in the wild when they are just people dealing with their stuff. The only yeah. um, the only difference in my Peter Boyle story uh, is the fact that, and I get this, when I was doing the tour guide thing, it is a, it is an imposition because that is their office essentially, and so they're there to work. Peter Boyle did not like the tours. Because they shot Everybody Loves Raymond on the lot. And I will say this, they were really nice. The Drew Carey Show people and Everybody Loves Raymond people were so great. Patricia Heaton was awesome. She's like, call me Patty. And they would invite my tours in to watch them like block and rehearse. Very uh, cool. And Ray Romano himself was like, oh, you guys having a good time? Oh, um and so i always appreciated that because it made my job easier but that was the thing is that some people on the lot you knew they're like they hate the tours avoid them and peter boyle was one he uh he was not a actively assholeish but if he saw them coming like oh, here's my little cart you would see him go from the trailer like right in there he's like no 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 and during blocking, it's like most of those people would just like if they screw it up, they and there were people watching, they would make each other laugh, but they would also point it to the audience like, we're not perfect. We mess up all the time. Peter Boyle never turned his head. He was not going to look at the people up in the stands. He's like, I'm just going to do this thing. And I respected that. That was um, I think he put up with it. I never had like an actual interaction with him. I wish mm. I'd known your story before because <laughs> I'd be like, you want a muffin? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Today, a friend of mine used to give you muffins in New York yeah. uh, or sell them to you. But I mean, it was still cool because he is a legend, you know, and just to see him and he is incredibly tall and you're just like, God damn. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that was the coolest thing. The only person who actually got us blocked because he hated us so much was Eric LaSalle on ER. Uh, everybody else in ER was cool with the tours, but Eric LaSalle, who played Dr. Benton, he would um he eventually complained he's like any day i'm doing er they can't drive down this little street next to our sound stage and we're like hey thank you mr lasalle dick mm -hmm. <laughs> i was also this is part of the same conversation i had with my mom earlier today was i told her the hey stevie 
story oh. <laughs> from when you worked there. But anyway, so we're in the golf cart and we're tooling around. And as we're going down one of the little roads there, there's a guy walking. My friend goes, do you think that's Spielberg? I was like, I don't think so. But I went, hey, Stevie. <laughs> I literally went, hey, Stevie, as we got very close and he hears me and he turns around and it is him and he just turns around and just looks at me and i was like oh god i want to die <laughs> i looked at my friend i was like go faster go faster <laughs> <laughs> yeah i am very glad that the story ends there because if there had been an actual interaction it just would have been humiliating i would have loved him to go like why are you talking to me like that why are you even looking at me? I am but, Spielberg. <laughs> my mom's response to the story is like, why? Why didn't you just give him a ride in the? In the because in the I car. was humiliated when I saw it was really him. But it's true. <laughs> he was just walking down. I mean, we could have actually said, "Hey, Mr. Spielberg, you want a, a quick lift?" And I bet he would have hopped on. You, but and you get uh, it. like, Dude, this is just the way I talk. <laughs> I'm sorry, hey, would you like to hop on? And then I'm stuck doing it for the entire time. I'm really a big fan. I lived in Sugarland. You remember when you did Sugarland Express? I lived there. Hi. Sugarland Express would have been the weirdest thing to bring up. Um, I do like that. Like if you if you meet a, a celeb or you know an actor. Um, you don't ever want to hit him with the common stuff. You don't want right. to say, I really loved E.T. Cause he's got, yeah. Okay. okay yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, we you remember that time you did the, <laughs> yeah. Remember when you, you made the, the movie Beatles? with the alien? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do. The thing with, <laughs> uh, I went to go see in LA, uh, in LA, I went to go see Shaun of the dead. Did I tell you this one already? I don't know. Shaun of the dead. It was like its first U S screening was at um the Arclight in Arclight Cinema in LA and I went because I'd already heard the buzz and in attendance were Edgar Wright the director and Simon Pegg the star uh who did a Q&A after and I did know Simon Pegg already cuz I watched Spaced you know the TV series that they first paired up on it's great goddamn space is hilarious <laughs> sorry um, and so I was excited, watched the movie and after it was over, uh, and the Q and a, I, I hadn't noticed that there were other people. I mean, I knew there were other people in the audience, but Edgar Wright's like going, I'm really having a hard time answering these questions because one of my heroes is right there. He's like going, uh, there's Quentin Tarantino and Quentin is like, everybody uh, he, I, he, <laughs> talk about someone not afraid to just mingle and blend with an audience so he wasn't hiding he's just like hey i love the movie it was great <laughs> and next um was um oh man i'm the the hiccups are going to kill me uh david carradine was right next to him so they were i guess working on kill bill at the same time and so that's weird i really enjoyed the q a i didn't get to meet simon Pegg or edgar wright i didn't even ask him questions i just watched it and it was fun but after the movie starts leaving, when people start filing out, Quentin and David Carradine are just in the same, you know, in the crowd. And people instantly go to Tarantino and he's talking to everybody. He had no problem. He wasn't like, uh, I don't have time right now. He was just like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And a whole group forms around him. And I watched nice. that for a little bit. But David Carradine was was getting kind not forgotten. People were going up to him, but it wasn't the same crowd. 
Uh, and a lot of people went up to him and like going, oh, man, Kung Fu. Fuck, blah, 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 blah. Loved you in this thing. And I just said, uh, Mr. Carradine, big fan. I shook his hand and I was like going, um, you were really good in natural selection. Which perked. I, I was like, that was my in. Natural <laughs> Selection was a film shot in Austin, directed by my friend Mark Bristol. Hi, Mark. I don't know if he would ever watch this. And it had like uh, David Carradine in it. He got him cheap. Um, they ended up changing the name when it was released to like Monster Hunter, something totally generic and terrible. The movie's pretty good, but that's a terrible title. So when I said Natural Selection, he did. It was like he seemed really. Oh yeah, thank you very much. And I said Natural Selection. He goes, oh. <laughs> like, oh, I was like, I'm a friend of Mark, so I, I'd read the script and before he made it, and and you were really great in it, and he was doing a very David Carradine performance. But yeah, so suddenly it was like, oh, that's something I never hear. And he's like, yeah, you saw it. It's like he goes, did it get released? I was like, yeah, they call it Monster Hunter. He's like, uh. and then he died. <laughs> uh, I'm not not at that moment, but he, you know, it was. <laughs> I got to meet him before he he died uh, in Thailand. Chad, oh. do me a favor. Don't die in Thailand. Okay. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> I'll talk um, to my people. But that was another one of those things. So if you meet somebody, don't bring up their most common stuff. Bring up the obscure stuff. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. Brendan's lesson for you. I, I, I didn't meet this person, but I when, when I lived in New York, most of my celebrity stories, let's face it. Well, because came, you're going to be in a, a, yeah. Obviously, you, you know, you, you were in LA. I was in New York. So we, we see these, and especially yeah. you, and you, were, you worked in the industry. Um, <laughs> oh boy that but, is a real nice way of putting that uh-huh uh, <laughs> well the most celebrity stories i have are from driving a golf cart around warner brothers yeah, right? well, yeah yeah so but but uh sometimes on my days off i would go i'd walk over to the ed sullivan theater on, oh, wow. uh, while they were taping uh letterman and, they do that around 5 five thirty, right yeah yeah and so i would uh some, I would, if there was something going on, I would hang around. You, you, it was really easy to tell because you, if you walk, you know, look down the corner, you see a group of people. You know, sometimes they'd have the whole block. Uh, people off, wait out and there, that, that's when you know like, they're, about to, they're about to do something cool. So you would really oh, stick around if they had the whole street blocked off. So if people they, would stick around for the entire thing, even if oh, they were yeah. out on the sidewalk yeah, and are yeah. not able to see anything. No, see, sometimes you could see a lot. Sometimes if they weren't doing anything on the street, you could get all the way up to the stage door, and oh, they, wow. there'd be no security or anything. So. <laughs> and so you just wait till somebody comes out occasionally. Uh, but the times that David came out, they did have some, some of it blocked off, not the whole street, but they'd be I, doing I some silly thing. He was like, you know, walk, real... come out and say, Hey kids, you know, yeah. do, do whatever his routine was. Sometimes Biff would come out. Um, oh, great. And uh, I did, if you hung around long enough afterwards, you'd see the band members come out and almost no, nobody would bother them except for Paul. Paul would, <laughs> Paul would duck into a limo oh, and go away. There's one time hey, I saw, yeah. There's one time I saw Sid McGinnis, who was a guitar player. He comes out, nobody recognized him, nobody bothered him. He just walked away. He kept looking around, almost like singing. Really, nobody? I mean, come on, everybody <laughs> in that the band are—they're like famous session guys. These are big time musicians. Yeah, and I th- th- there was that was one of many chances I had to talk to famous musicians, and I kind of blew it. I said, "I was like, oh. he, he worked with Peter Gabriel. I, I, I wanted to chase him down, and say, hey, hey, come back." <laughs> hey, I wait just, a minute. I, 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 don't, I don't like that. But there's, there's, I saw many celebrities come and go through that door, and some of them would dive straight into the limo and go. Some of them would sign a couple of autographs and, and leave. The one person who hung around and made sure that everybody's uh, thing was signed 
uh, was Anthony Hopkins. Really? Of, of all the people. Yeah. He, he was I so gracious that. and so kind. I wasn't close enough to actually shake his hand or anything, but he was like, okay, did I get you? Good. Yeah. Oh, thank oh, you, thank you very awesome. much. You? Anybody else? No? All right. Bye. <laughs> no? It, 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 I think at that point, everybody was just stunned at anybody how nice wanna, he was. They were like, uh. I, anybody want to grab a sandwich? <laughs> right. These you, these are long, very tiring <laughs> tours, and I'm very lonely. That's awesome. It was very cool. I mean, cool. I, I don't judge people one way or the other. Like, if, if <laughs> you or I suddenly take off uh, and become huge celebrities... I can't predict how, and I think it would literally be event to event. Like, in other words, what's my mood that day? You know, I go yeah. on, I, di- I did the talk show, I brought everything I had, but really my brain is about, I'm having a breakup with my girlfriend at the same time. And, and so, you know, it's quite possible. It's like, look, I know it's uh, maybe exciting for you, my adoring fans, but it's like, yeah, I might just do the thing of like, wave. Hi, everybody, and get in that limo and get the fuck out. Yeah, I totally understand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's people. Right. Exactly. You know, and some and of them do weird. see it as part of their job. Yeah, I mean, some mm-hmm. people do like, look, man, I wanted to be a celebrity and I am now. So this is part of the job. Even mm-hmm. Steve Martin got it down to that brilliant response, which was just the little business card he'd hand out because he's not really. Uh, an extrovert guy. He's a very quiet, thoughtful dude, and he doesn't like pressing the flesh. Plus, since he's a comedian, the pressure to be on and like random people expecting you to suddenly be funny when in his head he's thinking about like art history or whatever the fuck because he's always buying paintings and stuff. So it must be he came up with the brilliant idea of having that little card. This is to state that I have met Steve Martin in real life and he is everything I ever imagined to be. You know, and the whole thing is like he would just do that. He's like going, yeah, I don't do autographs. I'm sorry. But here, take this. That's brilliant. Also, yeah. he's just a really smart guy. By the way, I, don't think I haven't noticed the thing that I didn't want to notice. What? What? Huh? I haven't hiccuped in a couple of minutes and oh, you're shit. forcing me. To say it out loud. I thought you were talking about something else behind me. No, no, no. I haven't hiccuped in a couple minutes. So anyway, keep going. I'm not even thinking about it. Yeah. Um, This was the cure. (laughs) I was going to say, oh, Steve Martin, actually, talking about that bakery in New York, Steve Martin came in one time and I missed it. Oh. I missed oh. it. My friend Frank was helping him. And he, he, it was funny because Frank was like, I was helping somebody else. And Frankie going, hey, hey, like tugging my shirt. Was like, I was like, stop it. Leave me alone. Oh, but you were there, but you just Yeah, we were both behind the counter helping people. He was helping somebody. I didn't recognize him. And, he, and, and after, after my customer left, he turned to me and goes, you idiot. <laughs> that was oh, Steve Martin. What? That hurts. And he was there with a, like a red cap on and sunglasses, like totally just yeah, in, incognito. Yeah, don't notice me. I'm totally not me. Just buying a bunch of pastries for a party or something. Who knows what uh, it was? But, yeah. He but is I, one that I would lose it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Did I tell you Robin's story? Because uh, Robin, of course, my brother, um, is totally unafraid. Like, to me, I I do have some stay, uh, starstruck stuff. Uh, there's, there's awkwardness. And so I don't approach. When I was on the lot, usually if they want to come over and talk, that's great, but I'm not calling over George Clooney. You know, I'm just not, but my brother has always been. And when he lived in LA, he just walks up to people. And I mean, he might later say, man, that was crazy, but he just 
his desire to meet them was always bigger than him being afraid of it. So when he was uh, assistant managing the New Art Theater, which is one of the uh, trendy um, repertory theaters in L.A., he just met people constantly. And sometimes he would introduce movies, like go up in front to tell, like, you know, don't do this. Turn off your cell phones, da, da, da. But Mm. also he would be funny because it's Robin. Well, I, that's how uh, I first got, encountered him. Like almost everybody I know, that's how we first yeah, encountered has a Robin him story. at River Oaks um, Theater. After one of those, and I don't remember what movie it was, it might have been a Woody Allen movie, but in the audience were Carl Reiner and his wife and um, and Alan Alda and his wife. And after it was over, Carl Reiner went over to Robin to shake his hand. He's like going, very funny, young man, very funny. Which, of course, Robin's like, well, I can die. I can die now. <laughs> But the one I was going to bring up is he is completely unafraid. The one time, and this, uh, I'm not saying this to shame him, but one time a celebrity came into the new art that he could not deal with. Like it was too much. He was not going to approach him. In fact, he ran and hid in the office. William Shatner. Oh, <laughs> Captain wow. Kirk came in and, and, uh, and a, all of his coworkers just assumed Robin was going to go up and do the Robin thing. But he's like, going, I, I can't. I can't. I can't. <laughs> so he ducked out. And the reason I brought that story up, Steve Martin would be that for me. Like, I just yeah. wouldn't be able to handle it. He's a yeah. god. Yeah. There are plenty that I would bashfully, I would blush and just go, I think you're very good, a very talented, very fan. And and then back away. And there's some I would run and hide from, and the Hayes one. Yeah, another story with him, too. I, I just was listening to, um, I, I listened to a lot of uh, tech podcasts. And one of them is oh, Leo Laporte. It's all Leo Laporte's uh, This Week in Tech. And uh, I didn't know this until recently. He, he, uh, Leo had him on as a special guest at one point. And I, I thought he kept saying, oh, this is Steve Martin. I think it's it's got to be a coincidence. It can't be the Steve Martin. Because he didn't even yeah, sound like it to be another me. Steve Martin. But Steve Martin is a huge tech nerd. He's, he loves all that stuff. Wow. So, so he, he's been on the show before. I just never knew it. But he's friends with Leo Laporte who's the host of this probably the one of the earliest podcasts uh about te- uh, tech news huh. and, uh, but uh that was that was a trip to, to listen he's like steve is just way into that that stuff wow i mean I, I there are many sides to that man that is not one that i knew of previously yeah, yeah. i was like is that just really i was like while i was listening to it i was like googling like is this the steve martin because he wasn't <laughs> he wasn't even trying to be funny he was just talking about stuff and well just i mean being a dude. I, I, yeah. I think he's one of those guys who what we know him for or what made him famous isn't really the guy. It's just a thing that he happens to have a brilliant comedic brain and he's a brilliant performer, mm-hmm. but off I've always heard this off camera, off stage. He is just going to go to a coffee shop and read a book and, and he's going to go to art galleries and you're not going to get jokes out of the guy. He's not like, Hey, there are people around. I should give him a show. No, right. like it's yeah. only that's what he does for work. Yeah. And then the yeah. rest of the time he's like going, ah, yes. Walking through the park. <laughs> Great. <laughs> what else was I going to say? Oh, uh, speaking of your story about missing Steve Martin, when I worked at Brentano's, which was pre me working at, at uh, Warner Brothers uh, in Century City, Beverly Hills. Plenty of celebrity sightings there. Um, but the ones that killed me, because I would say to coworkers like, oh, I have a big crush on Jillian Anderson. She showed up 
multiple times when I wasn't there. And I never got to see her. This is like X-Files is still on at this point. And I would come back from like a lunch break and they're like going, we're not making this up. But Jillian Anderson was in here like 15 minutes ago. God damn it. (laughs) And Winona Ryder went through once on a day I had off. And I had mentioned like as a, you know, young 20 year old or I huge crush on Winona Ryder. And of course I come back and they're like going, guess who was in yesterday? I'm like, Winona Ryder was in. I'm like, God damn you. I saw plenty of awesome people. But yeah, it's usually the people that you're sitting there going, what? I missed that. Ah, damn it. This is, I had this, I have to, we have to tell this, maybe this would be a good way to wrap this episode up. No, we have to tell this. We have Uh, to. When, uh, when we found out in Houston, it was big news that they were filming Reality, Reality Bites. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And we found all the weird connections that, that we personally had to this film. My, my classmate from HSPBA, Helen Childress. She wrote wrote it. The movie. She was in the movie. She played a waitress at the scene. And she said it in Houston. So, I mean, that's why they were filming in Houston. And then there, you, a friend of yours who who wrote, d- who did an interview with Helen for the Houston Chronicle, well, you and I were at House of Pies one night, and you introduced me to her. I can't remember what her name was, but you said, "Hey, oh. uh, come come sit here this for a second, because you, you you had found out that she had talked to Helen, yeah, and and you said you need to hear what she has to say. So she sits down. He goes, "Yeah, Ch- Chad went to to uh, yes. oh, so, oh goes, this is the, she said, the- oh this is the guy. Hey, so." have you heard of a band called elemental penguin? And I went, <laughs> what? And you were like, I told you. And, uh, by the way, people, elemental penguin was the band I had in high school, high school band at HSPBA and Helen had based. Oh, sorry. Yeah. You tell it. The band, the band that Ethan Hawke's character was playing was, was based loosely on my band. There really is. When you watch the movie, there's no connection to it at all, but that's well, what she was I mean, thinking about. It's, in her head. it's Ethan Hawke and you know, None yeah, of you yeah, guys yeah. are. <laughs> no, no, no. There really was no connect. But of course, I'm thinking cause she and I, I did talk to Helen on the phone a few couple of years later because there's a lot of weird things in the movie that that and we didn't get in, into depth into depth that much. But yeah, I, I know that there was a lot of things from some of the main characters that were borrowed from. Uh, she little she piece, drew there's from little her pieces of life. me. There's little pieces of Paul. There's little pieces of and stuff yeah. in that movie because like, i asked helen about this and she's like oh chad you have no idea there's so much in there and i actually got when we first moved to new york uh paul and marla we and i had an apartment on the east side and upper east side and there was a i can't remember her name there was a woman who lived one door down from us uh on the same floor and she one of her jobs that she was she was a script reader she would read read scripts and like proofread them or something so she had a pile of scripts one of them I, she was to probably be. worked for an agency, so she she would re- read through the slush pile. So right. she's not proofreading them. She's just seeing if this is any good okay, to okay. pass up the ladder to the, the boss man. So she had an early draft of Reality Bites. Oh, we found, somehow, we found, somehow we found this. So Paul and Marla and I all read the script before the movie came out. and Because when we first moved here, the, the posters for the movie were all over the subway and stuff. It was, it was trippy. So we read the script and one of the, one of the, 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 the pages in there, I wish we should have saved the script. Um, well, you can find uh, it when, uh, when Janine Garofalo's uh, character pulls out her black book of names yeah. and the list of names, one of the names was my friend, Sean. <laughs> it was like, they had, there was like Chad, Dwight, whatever, Paul, Sean, higher names. So oh my God. <laughs> and so I told, I, I talked to Helen on the phone a little, it was a few months after the movie came out. We spoke on the phone. Uh, from where she was living in LA at the time. 
And I said, well, you know, Paul and I got to copy that script. And she went, oh, no. <laughs> Which oh, draft was great. it? Oh, no. And that's I told her great. about the shopping and she burst into, hyster- into hysterics. Like, That's hilarious. <laughs> and she said, now, you know, why no- would they change a detail like that in the movie? <laughs> but they, when in the movie, she told me this, that uh, I think this is probably common. I mean, if you, it's, this isn't like secret, but when, when that, that scene where, where Janine's character pulls out the black book, that's actually Helen's right handwriting in the book. Oh, that wow. Seen. That's cool. Yeah. Because Helen was there for the entire filming. Yeah, um, why wouldn't she be? It's her first big break. Um, (laughs) Ben Stiller, his first direct film, directorial film. And uh, so I'm sure having the writer there was, you know, good. Um, Because of your connections, because of my weird connection, because I didn't go to PVA, didn't know Helen. Mm -hmm. uh, I knew you guys. I never saw Elemental Penguin. I just heard Elemental Penguin stories. But because of the weird connection with Janine, it's so weird that Janine would would have Houston connections and have lived there for a bit before she goes out to L.A. And then the first movie she gets when she's out, actually, it's not the first. She did one called Late for Dinner before Reality Bites. So Janine, uh, her father lived in Houston. She had done some of her teenage years in Houston, but ended up as an East Coast gal she went to Providence College in Rhode Island. So I didn't know any of this, didn't know her until, and she had already become a stand-up comic and won some awards on the East Coast and wanted to move to L.A., but needed money. So what she did was she moved back temporarily into her dad's place in Houston oh, and okay. then went looking for a job, and she got a job at the River Oaks Theater. Uh, oh, okay. Robin, of course, was like, you got to hire her. Uh, and they're like, is she good? Like the manager's like, is she a good worker? He goes, I don't know. She's she's a comedian. She's funny. So um, she worked like, with us. I became her friend. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, for me, I liked her as as Janine first. And then when I went to go see her do stand up in Houston, mm-hmm. because she wasn't going to let her chops get rusty while she was making money. She worked at the last stop, did a few sets there. She did st- uh, at the uh, what was the other one? Oh, the. Comedy workshop, right? Is that what yeah. it's called? Uh, she and, would do. And she came to see Zuzu's Battles at least. At she least came to see her. our band a, f- yeah. a couple of times. Yeah. And I remember Janine Garofalo, famous Janine Garofalo, saying, "Man, I wish I were in a band." <laughs> <laughs> I'm so well, jealous is... of what you do, and I'm like, "Yeah." yeah. Okay. And I know that I, I met her. I just have no memory of it because I, she wasn't. You know, this is she before... came to downtown ground shows a, a couple of times. Mm-hmm. She saw us at Fitzgerald's at least once. Yeah. And I know that was her being a friend of the band. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if she liked the music per se, but she just was like, dude, everyone wants something else. Like in her mind, she likes being a comedic actress and a brilliant mind, but she would kill to be a musician. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But she's awesome. But then she goes off to LA. What I found funny was, she goes out there, immediately gets Larry Sanders show and the Ben Stiller show. She's doing those simultaneously. But when she gets the like a big breakthrough film role, it ends up moving. She goes back, back to, back to Houston. Houston again. Yeah. I got to so see her was- just once when she was filming and not while she was filming. It was after they had finished for the day, went to go see her at the Four Seasons, at her room in the Four Seasons. And she's like, pretty fancy, huh? And I'm like, yeah, damn. You've made mm-hmm. it, lady. Yeah. But um, yeah, we all had these weird little connections to the movie. But here's the big thing. This is the way to wrap it up. Of course, Winona Ryder was in Reality Bites as well. And Winona Ryder, all of them were staying at the Four Seasons. So there I am 
in Janine's hotel room, catching up, having fun, talking to Janine, also crushing madly on her because, you know, Janine. But I'm literally sitting there going, Janine, what room is Winona in? <laughs> and she goes, well, she is on this floor. I honestly don't know what, what room. I'm like, call her. <laughs> she goes, <laughs> and she goes, I don't know what room. I'm like going, you're telling me that I am just doors away from Winona Ryder and I'm not going <laughs> to meet her. And I did. That still kills me, man. Though, yeah, I, and, I mean, story. not that she'll ever hear it, but Janine, I really did just want to hang out with you. Had a fun time, but I couldn't get out of my brain. I am doors away from like a high school crush of mine. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. Uh, and still have never met her. But I, I thought remember. Reality Bites was great. It's um, a great movie. Yeah. It's, yeah. I have it I on I do DVD know a really somewhere. good behind the scenes dirt story, which I can't share over this because it wouldn't be right. But yeah. I'll tell you some of the behind-the-scenes drama. But, yeah, look at us meeting famous people. We're fringies. I'm remembering the fringies. I'm remembering uh, um, one of the things in that script, that the early draft of Helen's that I read, and the, that scene with the band. <laughs> in, in, the, uh, in the side of the, the page, it's just, she graffitied, like, Chad plus Helen forever. Little hearts <laughs> no. and stuff. His little doodles. No. But uh, there was, in real life, when Elemental, Elemental, Elemental Penguin, when we played our, our the, one, the one like really big show we had, which was our first show, we played a Mardi Gras dance at, at, at PVA. Yeah. Um, and w- as sort of a joke, we actually put out a tip jar in front of the <laughs> band just, just to see what would happen. And I think there was literally, this is where this joke came from. There was like literally like one dime or one nickel in there. Maybe it was like 15 <laughs> cents that somebody threw in there as a joke. <laughs> and Helen thought that was hilarious. So in the script, at the, the the there's a scene where the band plays, and Ethan's character goes to look at the tip jar, and there's 15 cents in it. <laughs> wow! That's where that came from. But that wasn't in the movie. That didn't make the cut of the, um, the film. But uh, yeah. Anyway. Well, here's where we talk about all of our lives immortalized and never seen. Yeah, we are we are the bigs. <laughs> actually biggs does show up at the end but since you don't know the backstory between him and luke he's like going oh biggs you made it and we're like who the fuck's that dude <laughs> who the fuck is porn stash why are we happy he made it you're right right <laughs> porn stash no i think his name is biggs darklighter nope it's biggs porn stash i keep thinking like uh because there's going to be at least one more season of of um Andor. Yeah. Uh, how cool would it be if they have Biggs show up, you know, towards the end of that? That's it. Well, I guess it doesn't really make sense, though, because he he, well, he, could, he could to, have been there. He could, have, he been could there. have been there because he was he went to the Imperial Academy. Yeah. But I think while he's there, he realizes the side he should be on is the rebellion. Biggs right. is really supposed to be like the role model because Luke is, dude, you're I can't believe it. You're a pilot for the Empire. He's like, well, actually, to tell you the truth. I'm now with these other people, the rebellion. So there is a story to be told about Biggs, like uh, switching sides. And, and since Andor is about the birth of the rebellion and it's set five years before the events, they could show a, like a, a Navy recruit Biggs or something. That would be cool. I'm surprised we, uh, that's one thing I guess they're kind of of sitting on. Is this coming in? Okay. (laughs) Good. Because there was an episode in uh in Rebels where they they recruit. You see how Wedge is recruited. Um, oh, really? One of the, one of I the never got episodes. that far yeah. in Rebels. It's Wedge oh. and two other pilots who defect to the the Re- I love rebellion, Wedge. kind of similar way that 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 Biggs does. 
But I don't Wedge think Wedge is a badass. It. He survives the whole motherfucking thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I know. I know. Anyway, but that would, that would be kind of cool. But uh, I'm sorry to have upset you. I can see that it's starting to really. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm resisting the urge to go off into Star Trek. Start Star Trek. Goddamn. Wow. Star yeah, Wars me too. Right <laughs> I'm also resisting the urge to go off into Star Trek. <laughs> uh, it's a future where apparently the nations of the Earth have come together in peace. Yeah. Yeah. But they all have their weird accents. Hey, hello, Captain. I'm pushing button, making nice with the thing. <laughs> That's my Chekhov. That's very good. Uh, and I know Chekhov's daughter. Another celebrity thing. Danielle Koenig. Oh. Yeah, she's really awesome uh, and a very funny stand-up comic herself. Anyway, uh, let's wrap this up with, uh, and so that was a weird episode, right? It was very strange. We just wandered around and we addressed no rumors because I haven't heard any. No. No, okay. I did say I did see. Did you see James Gunn's uh, another tweet where he put a classic nineteen uh, fifties uh, Superman thing on there, yes. like you sent me? Yes, but but he said um, he goes absolutely not going no. to adapt. That's and where I, I found that because people kept peppering, replying to it with all these other crazy comics. Yeah, covers all, all from the, the era. Silver Age stuff, and so and the one the one that he he sent was the one about. Superman becomes a super hobo, hobo. and it's Lois going, you Superman, you have to fly up there to save Jimmy. And he's got like this battered top hat on. He's like going, nope, Lois, I'm, I'm hitting the tracks or whatever yeah. it is. Screw you guys. Screw I love you it. guys. I'm now a all, super all hobo. Those crazy, all those crazy comics of Jimmy, you know, Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, where Jimmy is just basically like Mr. Bill, like all these horrible things happening to him. He's like, but I don't want to marry a female King that's, Kong. That's, that's Tough where shit, the- Jimmy. <laughs> That's where the website Super Dickery came along. And I think it's still around, by the way. Highly recommended. But they basically, that entire uh, website is using all those covers from the Silver Age to prove that Superman's an asshole. Because yes. so many of them in the 50s and 60s were things like, uh, oh, my God, that bridge is collapsing. And Superman's staying in front of a, a stack of hamburgers and he's shoveling them in his mouth. He's like going, I can't stop to explain. But if I ha- I have to eat all these hamburgers. Yes, right. I think I saw that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Super dickery. Uh, it's so good. All right. right on I, that I, note, uh, thank go, yeah. you for cheering me, uh, Chad. You have the magic touch. <laughs> <laughs> and uh we'll we'll chat next week about i don't know we'll yeah. we'll be more organized let's have a theme yeah indeed all right all right all right stop you stop stop uh <laughs> 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 <laughs>